Hi friends, welcome to another live stream. This time an interview with Locke founder and CEO Jonas. Um, really interesting product and I would like to um, yeah, go deep um, how it works, how the API, uh, APYs are generated and all of the good stuff in between. Jonas, welcome to my channel. Hey Remo, thanks for having me. Yeah, so a lot of people have been uh, interested. Um, uh, I've been uh, documenting my own journey uh, with with the DUSD, my DUSD bet. I've been trying uh, to do this this arbitrage where I bought uh, DUSD and then waited for the repack. And uh, now, of course, the question is, what what am I doing? And um, of course, I have been very attracted by <laughs> your yields. So what I have done is I have gone out of DUSD last week. Um, at around 90 cents and I've put part I've been I've put part um, of it 50,000 uh, DFI in your yield machine um, which promises currently 49% um, APY so maybe first of all um, yeah um, introduce yourself and uh, uh, yeah tell me how these APYs are generated right now and is it all set Yeah, um, thanks so much, Emo. Um, yeah, first of all, um, thanks again for the invite here. Um, my name is Jonas, um, as you might know, and um, I founded Lock pretty much uh, half a year ago. The service went live in um, the beginning of November. Um, but first of all, a little bit um, of, of uh, my background story here. Um, back in the day, I was uh, studying mechanical engineering. I was also graduating in um, mechanical engineering. Um, in my master's, I dropped out of university um, because I was pursuing a master in mechanical engineering as well. And um, yeah, um, during my master's, I was um, more and more interested by this entire blockchain space, by the cryptocurrencies and so on. I also started um, investing in cryptocurrencies. Um, like, uh, I don't know, the first time I invested like in Bitcoin was 2013 without even understanding what's going on there. Um, but around like 2016, 2017, and then definitely in 2018, I really started to, to deep dive into, into crypto. Um, I invested a little bit more. Um, I made my experiences, um, luckily, without uh, ever losing a, a lot of money. Um, but uh, yeah, I was really, um, really fascinated by the entire space and by the idea of creating like a, like a decentralized financial space, right? Um, without banks, without financial intermediaries and so on. Um, and when I was starting my master's in mechanical engineering, um, I actually already knew that I wanted to pursue a career in, in crypto or blockchain. So um, I dropped out of uni. Um, I flew to Australia um, with a plan, so one-way ticket, um, mm -hmm. with a plan to somehow found a company um, online, um, preferably um, in the crypto space, um, but that was not set at this time, it was around uh, 2020. Um, and yeah, then I got to know like into DeFi chain, like uh, many of us. Um, I was uh, very early um, a customer of, of Cake, obviously, um, through that, through the lending uh, program there, I got my first DFI back in the day. Um, and then I just engaged with the community. Um, very funny, like, um, I, I will tell the story later, but uh, um, I found like a, another master's program, um, especially for like um, studying like blockchain, crypto and so on, um, also from the technical perspective. Um, it was the... Uh, was a master's program in Barcelona, uh, which I could uh, do remote, so in a fully remote way. Um, and yeah, I was starting this master's program in 2020. Um, and one of my first projects in this master program was um, to engage with the blockchain community, with the crypto community. And back in the days, um, not even the DeFi chain analytics um, dashboard by Daniel Circle was launched, I guess. I think he was just a, just a member of the community. Or it was the beginning of his dashboard where he also had like his dashboard for, for Cake DeFi. 
Um, and I was just uh, reaching out to him, asking him, hey, can I interview you? Because I um, need to do a project for my studies. And um, I, uh, my, my task was to interview people from the crypto space. So I reached out to him and we did an interview um, and I handed in this um, as my project um, work, as my, um, yeah, as my uh, exam, um, if you will. Um, and a couple of months later, like the founder of DFX, um, reached out to me um, because he has heard uh, through the community that I was also looking um, for some job in the crypto um, blockchain space. Um, and uh, yeah, I was uh, fully into it. Um, I was fascinated by the idea to, to build up like a fiat on and off ramp for the DeFi chain. Um, and I was um, yeah immediately saying uh, basically yes um, and joined DFX. I mean, back then it was not even a company; it was more like a like a freelance um, project for volunteers. Um, but I saw the opportunity. Um, I saw this need for DeFi chain that um, you need like a fiat on and off ramp. Um, and I was looking for a job anyway in this space. Um, during that time, it was in 2021. Um, I was still in my masters, um, but I was approaching the end of the masters. So I graduated in November 2021, and um, I already found like um, my way to go um, in, in the crypto space. Yeah, and then um, fast forward, um, I was basically like uh, one of the first members um, at, at DFX helped to build up um, the company. Um, and um, now we are here. Um, maybe a little bit background, why again I, I launched Lock, um, why I decided to leave DFX to, to launch Lock. Um, it was like uh, in the beginning of last year where it became more and more obvious that um, DFX needed to stop um, their staking service or its staking service due to regulatory um, circumstances. Um, so uh, there might be or there would have been the, the chance for DFX that they would need a banking license to um, do staking. Um, so operating a staking provider from within Europe is very difficult um, because you basically manage customer funds, right? Um, so I decided because um, in my opinion, staking was um, still very much needed, especially for the DeFi chain. Um, I decided, um, okay, um, I will do this step. I will leave DFX and I will um, pursue Lock. Um, I will found Lock um, as a yeah, new staking provider for the DeFi chain. Um, and um, yeah, basically um, it all started with my CFP last, last year, um, a very controversial, controversial um, CFP because it was also like um, asking for money for um, for-profit company. But that's another story. Like, um, I think in the end, um, now I'm more more than okay with the situation that I was able to to finance the entire endeavor like on my own without like um, money from the CFP. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, now we are here. Um, launched the staking service in the beginning of November, um, and uh, in the last two or three months, we also developed uh, two more products. And now we are here, like um, able to to offer um, 49.2% APY to our customers. And actually we, we reach it. So we are actually able to really pay out the, um, the APY of 49% um, at, the, at the moment and even more. Like uh, yesterday we had an um, APY of 89% and I just um, looked into the stats, into the numbers and before the interview. And today we had like an APY of um, 87%. So over-delivering, more or less. Um, and probably now you have some questions how we do it. Um, yeah, um, as some of you already know, um, it's like um, based on the negative interest rates regarding um, the DOSD topic on the DeFi chain. So what we are basically doing, we are creating vaults um, for the customers. Um, at the moment, like one big vault to mint DUSD um, and to generate this negative interest rate on the loans. Um, and then um, at the moment, um, we reinvest 100% um, 
um, of the um, rewards. Um, and the yield machine is like uh, available for DUSD and DFI. So that's basically the, the short version. Um, and I'm more than happy to, to go into the details now. Yeah, could you maybe talk about the risks? So now we have the 49%. It, it sounds mm -hmm. all, all great. Um, what, are the, what are the risks if, if people get into it? Yeah. So in general, you have like a project risk, um, like in any DeFi project, like um, you have also this project risk um, if you're investing in, in DeFi chain already, right? Because it's a very young project compared to, to other financial tools out there. Um, so obviously you have a project risk, um, but I think anyone who is invested um, in, into DeFi chain and who is believing in, in DeFi chain can manage or is willing to accept this risk. Um, but besides that, of course, um, we are operating vaults, right? So um, what we are doing, we need to handle um, the collateralization ratio um, so that we are not getting liquidated, right? And there we have like a very sophisticated um, setup and um, our systems are so sensitive, um, adjusted so sensitive um, or in a very sensitive way that we always keep the um, targeted ratio. So at the moment, um, we, are, we are talking about a ratio of um, at least 170%. And if we are already going below like by 0.05%, um, um, we are automatically um, monitoring that on a constant basis. Um, and then we would like um, provide more collateral, right? So how are we doing it? Um, it's from the um, theoretic theoretical side, very easy. Um, we just reduce the loan automatically and pay back um, a little bit um, of, the, of the loan amount and to, to reach the, the ratio again of 170%, right? So this is the, the first um, threshold that we have. Um, then there is a, like, a, like a second threshold at 155%. Um, so if we are going or if we are reaching 155%, um, then um, there's another uh, security mechanism that is automatically providing more liquidity, more collateral. Um, and the last resort is basically a constant check every five minutes um, if we are like below 150%. So every five minutes, our, our systems um, are automatically checking um, if we are below that. And then we have like um, more or less uh, enough time to provide enough liquidity to go above the 150% um, again, because um, you just get liquidated if you are below the 150% um, at a 150% loan scheme um, for 30 blocks, right? So um, there we have like more or less three um, security thresholds, three um, security barriers to avoid um, the liquidation. And over the last um, two months since the launch, uh, since the launch of the DUSD yield machine, um, we ex um, yeah collected a lot of a lot of experiences to really able to to manage this risk and um, yeah, we are really feeling comfortable. Um, and I think we provide Leia a great value added to the entire community because now um, the users um, themselves don't need to manage their vaults on, on their own. Is that, information, is that information public or could people see the current <coughs> the collateralization ratio of, of your yeah, vault? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is another very important um, approach that we pursue by Adlock. Um, so everything is fully transparent. Um, we can also have a look at the vault at the moment if you want to share. Um, sure. <clears throat> Let's do it. So... Have you already shared it? Um, this one? No, the other one, like the, the browser window. Uh, you, you need to uh, do it again. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So here we see like um, our current vault. Um, so um, 7.5, more than 7.5 million DFI currently deposited and also what we started to increase the APY for the DUSD vault, 
we also put now the DUSD into this vault, right? So um, this is our vault. Uh, anyone um, can look it up. It's also shared everywhere on, on Twitter and also on, in our Telegram groups. Um, and here we see the, the ratio of now a little bit um, above 170%, um, but the target is at the moment 170%. So um, all the time, if it's going below, um, more collateral is like deposited into the vault um, by reducing the loan amount. Yeah, that's um, basically the approach here. Um, the, negative, the negative interest rate, is that the only um, revenue stream right now or do you apply additional um, yield uh, mechanisms that you generate? Yeah, um, that, yeah. yeah uh, perfect question. So um, let's go into it. So right now, exactly, um, the negative interest rate is the only way to uh, generate um, the yield um, for the yield machine. Um, but soon we will also like um, be able to pay out like uh, different rewards, like in, in different assets, for example, DFI, and um, uh, at a later stage also like all the other DeFi chain assets. And there we have like a, like a um, vault set up like this. Um, so right now we are just operating the, the primary vault, right? Um, but the targeted um, scheme is that we have a primary, primary vault and a secondary vault um, to be able to also generate uh, rewards in, in DFI, right? So um, the user in the end has the opportunity to change um, uh, his rewards um, so that you can also uh, choose between a 100% reinvest or like a different asset that um, is paid out to your wallet, right? So right now, 100% reinvest um, for the DUSD yield machine as well as the DFI yield machine. And um, furthermore, down the line, um, we are also um, opening the yield machine for DBDC, DES, DUSDT, DUSDC. Um, and also, uh, you, you can see it for DTOKENS at, at a later, later stage. And um, yeah, that's basically our targeted scheme. Um, it's currently under development and uh, will be released in the next couple of days. Um, and then you can just decide if you want to pursue with reinvest or like if you want to choose a different um, reward strategy. And in this case, um, if you choose a different re reward strategy, the DUSD, uh, um, like um, at the DUSD yield machine before, we can talk about it, um, how the uh, DUSD yield machine was operated before, we um, have the secondary vault to mint D token and then to pair it up with the left DUSD to basically operate or to run liquidity mining, which generates generates then DFI re rewards. Exactly. And how is the how is the APY calculated right now? Because right now, um, if you deposit DFI, you earn mm -hmm. DUSDs, right? So exactly. how exactly. is the how is the DUSD calculated? Is it at the market price and is the stabilization fee also reduced? So is it the net that I could liquidate it for or is it uh, calculated at $1? What, what do you use? Um, exactly. Um, the rewards are now paid out in DUSD because we are um, minting DUSD. So there's no other way at the moment. Um, and right now there's still the, the DEX fee. Um, so if you are talking about APY, um, you always need to consider that an APY just can be calculated on a yearly basis, right? And we see we see measure measurements that are now in place for solving the DUSD issue with the um, DEX fee. Um, we are certain that in one year there's no um, no more DEX fee because um, the DPEC um, is solved um, for the DUSD and. Now you can have like different investment thesis here, right? So if you are um, if you are a believer um, of the DUSD and that the DeFi chain community is able to resolve this issue, you could now make the inf investment thesis to say, hey, okay, I invest in DUSD, I'm waiting for the repack, and now I can um, put the DUSD into the yield machine, for example, or the DFI and just wait until the uh, DEX fee is gone. 
Of course, we can not avoid the DEX fee, um, at least not, not in, entirely, um, but you could have like this, this option, right? Um, to now uh, get basically DUSD rewards um, that are 100% um, reinvested at the moment. Um, I think um, also worth to mention here is that um, regarding your question, um, the, how the APY is uh, calculated. So at the moment, we are calculating it like this, that we basically look at the DUSD amount that is paid out on a daily basis. And then we um, calculated it with the current exchange rate of DUSD to DFI, right? Because you um, deposit DFI into the yield machine. So you want to know how the APY is like um, onto your uh, DFI investment. So we, we take the current exchange rate of um, DUSD um, to DFI, and now we are able to basically calculate the, um, the current APY um, on that basis. Um, and another point to mention here is that there are currently no fees for the DFI yield machine. Um, that's why uh, the, the APY is, is quite high. Um, but actually, we are demonstrating here right now that we are really able to, to achieve this high um, APYs. Um, just to be fair okay, here... Okay, so, so, so there are no fees and, and, the, and the stabilization fee is also not included. So it's not if I would liquidate the USD to any other asset, if I would sell it, then um, of course I would have a, a lower APR, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay, okay, um, okay. Just to be fully transparent here, but we see this uh, vault strategy here, right? So um, with this vault strategy, you are also mm -hmm. able to receive DFI as a re reward. Mm -hmm. And now you are able to basically avoid the DEX fee but on the other hand side, the APY uh, will be a little bit lower then, mm. right? Um, so uh, it's, of course, a trade-off. We, can, we can't avoid the, the DEX fee. And another point that I wanted to mention um, is like that the, um, the ne negative interest rates will probably fall a bit over the next couple of weeks and months. Um, but I mean... Um, at least we have a very dead simple way to really generate these high yields at the moment um, in the DeFi chain ecosystem. But if I would choose um, a DFI as a payout, um, mm -hmm. does that mean that the DU that the um, would the yield still be maximized with the DUSDs, for example? And then would you exchange the DUSD for DFI, or would you, um, or do you just pay out what you earn and you don't exchange it? Um, because well, you could you, you could also you could also exchange it on the on the dex right and then and then pay it out um, with any assets that the user chooses exactly and this will be possible mm -hmm. right so um there are two stages um that i would like to to mention here so the first stage is the introduction of this um vault scheme so that we have a primary vault and a secondary vault and with this um, mechanism we are able to pay out the rewards in DFI and DUSD, right? Um, so in the, in the first stage, um, after introducing that, the user is able to receive DFI and DUSD as rewards, right? Um, and at a later stage, um, you are fully flexible. Like you can really choose um, which asset do you want to receive um, on um, in your wallet. Um, but obviously, we can't avoid the, the DEX fee here. So um, you can think, and we will clearly show that in, in our application, um, so to which asset the DEX fee applies and uh, to which asset not. So um, you can make the, um, the decision, okay, I want to avoid the, the DEX fee. That's why I um, choose DFI as a reward and just um, get the DFI um, directly into my into my wallet. Um, and also, um, we are offering like all other DeFi chain assets. So if you want to, for example, um, invest your DFI into the um, um, DFI yield machine um, and choose to, to receive DBDC, for example, as reward, um, you're also able to do that. Or like a stablecoin, for example, like DUSDT, or um, a liquidity pool token will also be possible. So you can then, automatically diversify 
um, your rewards and maybe um, manage your risk in a, in a better way, right? So you will have this full flexibility here. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I also saw that uh, right now uh, you can only withdraw uh, DUSDs. Uh, so yeah. DFI withdrawal is, is not uh, possible yet. Um, and coming, and coming my... And my DUSD withdrawal, I tested it, um, is pending mm. since two days. H how long should it supposed to, to take if, if I withdraw DUSDs from the from the yield machine? Yeah, um, good good question, um, and, and thank you for that. Um, I know um, the deposits and withdrawals are taking a little bit longer at the moment. Um, the team is constantly working on it, um, and um, it will be better after this week, that's for sure. Um, so yes, at the moment the um, the deposits or withdrawals can be in a pending mode for a little bit longer. Um, but we have shown before that uh, we are usually able to to process all deposits and withdrawals within minutes. Um, so we will um, keep up on that. And uh, why is we, it why is it taking longer at the moment? It's basically um, due to the Ocean API outages last week. So um, during that time, uh, a lot of resources um, needed to, to take over this issue uh, internally, um, just because uh, we needed to process all deposit and withdrawals in a, in a right way. Um, and we needed to really check each deposit and withdrawal there um, so that anyone uh, got his deposits uh, during these outages times. So this um, tied up a lot of resources, unfortunately, and that's why um, we are a little bit um, overdue here. Um, and yeah. Uh, so do you do so, you check do you check each withdrawal, or is it done automatically, or or how how is the process? No, it's it's done automatically, um, but we needed to be very sure in this um, in this moment. So um, that's why it was um, yeah checked. Um, but usually, it's, everything is uh, automated, obviously. And um, it was just, yeah, this is just the, the explanation, right? So um, this uh, outage has tied up a lot of resources. And um, of course, uh, it was not my, my intention here. Um, but yeah, it will be definitely better after this week. And also, we will definitely activate the DFI withdrawals from the yield machine this week. And what would happen in the in the worst case? What would happen if the vault would get liquidated? Let's say at I don't know one hundred forty five percent. How much would the users then lose in in the worst case? Um, there is no um, worst case. Of course, I will be fully transparent here. There is a risk of of getting liquidated. So you, I can't say here that um, there's no risk um, of never being liquidated. But I'm very um, sure that our security setup is here um, so sensitive and adjusted in a very sensitive way that we are avoiding the liquidation. So um, but if you really... get liquidated, then you just lo lose the collateral, right? But you still can keep the loan. Is that correct? Yeah. OK. So um, um, but again, like I really want to want to mention the the last resort here. Um, so we are really checking each five minutes so that we really ensuring that uh, we are not getting liquidated and that we have enough time um, to uh, avoid like being under the ratio of 150% for um, more than 30 blocks. So there are certainly enough um, um, barriers to avoid the liquidation. Are there also manual checks? What if the, what if the automatic checks would, uh, would not work? Uh, well, obviously, I mean, we are constantly monitoring it. Um, so our systems are uh, letting us know when mm. the ratio is, is dropping. And of course, I mean, then uh, the um, avoidance of the liquidation is top priority um, internally at us. And of course, then we have the, the team is on it. So and what, would, sure. what, what would happen in the worst case if everybody would withdraw at the same time? Would that cause any issues? Uh, it just takes longer. Because okay. we we now um, it's um, because now we we just need to um, drive down the walls, right? Um, but that's basically it. So it's the same same with um, same with uh, the staking, right? 
it just takes longer. Um, in the case of staking, it's due to the to the protocol, right? Um, because um, we have actually a sheet where you can see the current um, liquidity of, of lock, and then you can manage, hey, um, is there enough liquidity to basically withdraw my funds, or should I maybe withdraw my funds into uh, in several steps, right? So, um, for example, if you have like, I don't know, 40,000 um, DFI, you could uh, make the decision, okay, I will withdraw um, 20,000 DFI now because there is enough liquidity um, and um, I withdraw another 20,000 DFI at a later stage when I checked it again, if there is still enough liquidity to, to withdraw my funds. So yeah, um, in the case of um, withdrawals, 100% of the withdrawals, um, it just takes a little bit longer, but um, uh, there's, there's no issue. So anyone um, will get his or her funds. So up until how much can you withdraw immediately? Um, you can you can check um, the, the sheet. Let me just show mm -hmm. it. So yeah, so here's the uh, Google sheet for the staking service and for the yield machine. And now you can see the current available liquidity, right? So this is a live monitoring um, for the yield machine and, and the staking service. So for example, right now, it wouldn't make much sense to withdraw more DFI because, or at least not more than 1,500 DFI because there's no um, liquidity at the moment because we are basically resigning master nodes, right? But for example, for the DUSD yield machine, um, there's no problem that you withdraw like, like this amount, right? Um, so um, this way, um, and I shared this sheet everywhere as well, you can um, have an idea how long it takes if it was a process in, in minutes um, or if it would take up a little bit longer. Um, just to be fully transparent here, um, of course, you can't... Um, you can't know as a user if there's uh, another person who wants to withdraw like um, higher amounts. And this is obviously not public because this would be something like a insider trade, right? And um, what is this so, liquidity based on or where does this come from, this liquidity? And um, that's basically the liquidity um, that is basically laying um, around on our addresses. For example, for, for the staking, right? We have like a pool. Um, of uh, currently 60,000 DFI in, in usual cases. Um, this is just laying there to process these withdrawals or yeah, withdrawals basically within minutes, right? Mm. Um, and the rest is just um, for the masternodes um, to basically generate rewards for the, for, the, um, for the users. So it's more or less like a, I wouldn't call it the safety pool, but it's a pool to be, to be able to process like withdrawals. And what if somebody would like to withdraw, I don't know, 100,000 DFI from staking? How would that work mm -hmm. internally with you? How, how would you do that? Yeah. So internally, um, we get the, um, yeah, um, the, the wish of the user to, to withdraw 100,000 DFI. And then we just look, hey, um, there is like, I don't know, 50,000 um, DFI available in, in current liquidity, so we pay out that, and for the rest, the uh, rest of fifty thousand um, DFI, we start the process of resigning master nodes. Right. So this takes up um, uh, this takes basically sixteen hours on DeFi chain to resign a master node, and um, we are able then after the sixteen hours to process it internally and then pay out to the users. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, and can you also talk about your choice of jurisdiction? I, I saw in your terms mm -hmm. that your company is based in St. Vincent and uh, Grenadines. Mm -hmm. yep. um, seems very obscure. <laughs> yep. uh, seems not very trustworthy, just, just from a first um, impression point of view. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about um, the decision there, why you have uh, chosen to do that, and how secure this jurisdiction really is? Yeah. Uh, definitely. So this was a yeah very, very certain decision back then. Um, so we looked into different jurisdictions. Um, and when we started this process in the uh, beginning of last year, 
um, I was yeah, constantly talking to, to law firms and getting advice from law firms where such a staking service would be possible, right? So um, then, like, obviously, there are, like, uh, a couple of options that are obvious, like, for example, the um, UAE um, or, like, some states in, in Asia. Um, there are, like, some options in Europe, although it's getting harder and harder um, because you always have, like, this uh, kick stance that you might fall under the banking license, right, um, if you manage customer funds. So um, that's why it was very obvious that we need to look into some sort of an offshore jurisdiction. Um, and St. Vincent is actually quite famous for crypto companies. Um, there are a lot of crypto companies um, yeah, based there. Um, and there you don't have like this, um, this need for a banking license if you manage customer funds, right? Of course, like um, there is no um like law saying okay what happens in the case of um when like the the service is getting bankrupt or, or something like that um it's not um regulated like like in in europe um but on the other hand side we are very um free in our our decisions to really offer the best possible um user experience to to our users and that we don't need to think like about the regulatory framework um, in the first place um, when we are developing a pro um, product, right? Um, especially because we are just a crypto-only um, service, it's even easier. Um, so this wouldn't be possible um, out of Europe, um, and that's why I've chosen this jurisdiction. Um, and now it's obviously my task to, to generate this trust into, into Lock. Um, and to be available everywhere, anytime, um, and to really provide the, um, the technical basis and, and the technical transparency um, to really um, yeah, generate this trust so that people can be really sure um, that we are handling their funds in a very um, trustworthy manner. Um, and that's what I'm doing, Lee, um, what I'm doing day by day. Um, that's why we are, for example, doing this interview. That's why um, I made videos about our strict transparency approach. Um, this week, there will be um, another video um, and more information about our um, security setup, which is also like very sophisticated. So, for example, me as a CEO, I can't withdraw um, any customer funds, right? So it's impossible from the technical um, setup. Um, so um, I mentioned it before. We we have built up here um, uh, two, um, yeah, two three multi six setup set up in a in a physical way. Um, so I'm not able to to go with the customer funds um, anywhere. Um, and due to our strict transparency approach, any movement of customer funds is um, can be tracked and traced 100% uh, publicly. Um, so from the moment that you are um, sending funds to lock, right? Um, you can trace it via the block explorer and we can also um, show it maybe. Um, I think it's, it's very interesting um, that you can really follow your funds, right? Um, so what, what happens is internally, um, and maybe we, we can do, do a demonstration here also. Mm -hmm. um, let me share my screen again. So um, that's basically the DFX wallet. Um, probably anyone um, who's watching knows the DFX wallet and um, the lock service is available uh, here in, in the DFX wallet. So I just click on it. Um, and for example, so this is just a test wallet, so <laughs> I, I don't have anything to hide here. Um, so I can just click here on stake. Um, there's just a little amount of, of DFI here. Let's stake, I don't know, 2.5346 um, BFI. What does the maximum amount? Now I just need to find the transaction with my PIN, right? And now you already see the pending deposits here. 
and we can already um, look up the transaction ID here. So once the transaction is, is confirmed, um, we can we can look it up here. So where where are these DFIs sent? They are sent, of course, to yeah. your uh, internal address, right? Exactly. But if you if you then can um, put it into a master node, why couldn't you then send it anywhere else and withdraw it? In theory, you could, right? Yeah. So just a moment. Um, just let me get back to you. So now the transaction is completed. And um, so yes, you are right. Um, so the transaction is sent to uh, your personal internal address um, at at lock. So right. every so every any... user has um, his or her own internal address with you. Exactly. Okay. And you can you can already look it up here. I will just share my screen again. Yeah. So we have another Google sheet here, um, and here you can look up your personal deposit address. Right. So um, if you are looking up, for example, this address from the wallet that I just showed you, um, I can copy the DFX wallet address and then I can look up here my my staking deposit address. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we copy it and now look into into the um, address here. Right. Um, so we just make the transaction here, right? This mm -hmm. is the transaction. So 2.27 DFI are now transferred to this deposit address. And now our system is constantly checking um, the deposit addresses and is then um, automatically um, transferring these funds that are paid to the deposit addresses into the lock liquidity address which is this one, right? So um, here you have like the UTXO balance and here you can see the uh, huge amount of uh, 67 million DFI already um, gone through this um, liquidity address. And this is really important here because this liquidity address really is the, the central point of our transparency here. Because once your DFI are on this liquidity address, you can track and trace it um, 100% um, publicly. So what happens is now, um, from this liquidity address, these funds are sent into creating a masternode, and you can follow it by following the transactions. Right. So by, by following the transactions, you can see that actually your funds are put into a masternode, right, and then generating rewards for you. And the rewards, there's another public address, um, which we can show obviously, um, where the rewards are sent to and then distributed to all the um, lock users, for all the lock staking users. And this way you have like this um, fully transparent way uh, where you can always track and trace your funds. And also, um, this is another important point, um, when you withdraw funds, the funds are sent back to this liquidity address and then directly into your wallet, right? And now you have like this fully transparent way to, to track and trace your funds anytime and um, to be sure that they are actually sent into staking, that we are not doing something else with it um, and that they are generating rewards in the end, right? Um, so there's a strict separation between like the, the customer funds that you see here and then um, the, um, the internal funds for, for lock, right? Um, and what happens is when the rewards are paid out, we just take the fees on that um, on the rewards, and then these um, fees are basically sent to a separate address. And this way, we have a clear separation between internal funds and customer funds. Got it. Got it. When will you start charging fees for the yield machine? Um, yeah, basically. We, we don't have like a like a like a date for it, um, but we definitely will activate the um, uh, the withdrawals, and then um, at some point we um, we activate the fees as well, um, 
And I think that that's a very fair way. Um, in the first couple of days, the rewards um, were definitely lower than the um, 49% that we wrote into the, the wallet or into the lock application. Um, and the withdrawals are not active um, yet. So I think that's a very fair, to, fair way to, to handle it. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, but I will uh, let anyone know um, to um, when the fees are basically activated and when we charge fees. And for staking, you already charge fees, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, we had this lifetime fee offer last, um, last year. Um, and then we extended it for the uh, for January, but then we thought like, um, hey, uh, you have already secured your lifetime fee. So if you have been um, invested into into staking until the um, 31st of January, then you definitely have secured the the lifetime fee of 5.55 percent. And right now we are just charging the 5.55 percent um, because it um, takes a little bit of, of effort. To increase the fees for for the people um, uh, who are basically uh, went into staking after the January thirty first, um, and um, that's why we just decided to focus now fully on the on the yield machine um, and on the reward distribution, so that um, or re reward diversification, so um, that you yeah can really stick to our plans here and provide more products and more value to our customers. So at, at one point, yes, we will increase these staking fees, but um, anyone will um, will be informed um, in advance. So um, yeah, like like always at what, what What's your plan to increase it to ten percent, or what was the yeah, original plan? Exactly. Yeah, nine point nine nine percent. Okay. Um, and with this increase, it will also be possible to then um, apply a referral program um, to 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 staking. Um, and um, yeah, there's nothing released yet, but we will definitely implement a referral program as well. But for now, um, just 5.55% on your staking rewards. Um, and I will let anyone know on, on Twitter, on all our channels, on Telegram and so on, um, when we will increase the fee. And for the yield machine, 20% is planned as a fee? Yeah, 19.9%, yeah. Because um, it's also due to this uh, yeah, entirely new product in the end. Um, and I think we like established a way for the users to really um, have an easy way to participate in the detoken ecosystem into um, creating vaults. Um, and that's why we charge this 9.9% exactly. Yeah, so basically, as I understand it, I mean, Kugi always talks about his elaborate uh... Uh, vault strategies and, mm -hmm. and vault maxi and everything and um, yeah I never wanted to I mean, do it's that. Great. It's, it's great. It's, we, it's we, too, too much, too much work. Yeah. Exactly. And and um, I think that your yield machine is basically just an automated version of of that, right? <clears throat> mm, more or less, yes. Yeah. So the the, the tech stack in the in the background is a little bit different, but um, in the end you have like the or you have similar functionalities, yes. Um, just in a in a that simple way, um, I think um, the numbers prove it that uh, there's a lot of need for it. Um, people want to invest um, in in vaults, but um, not anyone is is willing to to run the vault maxi, um, and not anyone is willing to to manage their their vaults um, on his or her own. So um, I think yeah, it's it's very clear that we need such possibilities um, to really invest in a in a very simple manner into such product. Um, I think other providers um, also following this road. Um, and I think that's the way how we increase the, the mass adoption for, for DeFi chain, but also um, like for the entire crypto space. Got it, got it. Um, and uh, yeah, I saw that the yields, the 49.2%, uh, it mm -hmm. didn't change since the beginning. Is that is that just um, hard-coded right now? And will it will exactly. it be will it be dynamic at, at one point? Yeah, so the, the fees, uh, sorry, not the fees, but the APYs for staking are already dynamic. It just needs to be, be activated. I mean, we are live since, um, since a week now with mm -hmm. the DFI yield machine. So for now, yes, it's just hard-coded. But it will be de um, definitely in a very, um, not in a very, but in a dynamic way. 
right? Um, so that you always see like the current um, APYs, yes. And for the DUSD yield machine, is are the yields already dynamic or is it also hard-coded? Also, also hard-coded. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. And how are the yields generated there? I think uh, currently roughly 10% oh, yeah. um, yield, right? Yeah, let's have a look into the vault again. Mm -hmm. So we see um, that there are um, almost 4 million DUSD into the vault, right? So mm -hmm. right now we are following um, the same mechanism here so that we are basically generating negative interest um, rate um, on your deposited um, DUSD um, by basically putting it into this vault to, uh, to mint DUSD. So um, before, and that's what I um, shortly mentioned um, in the beginning, we had like a different law mechanism, right? In the, in the beginning, the, the yield machine was um, that we invested 62.1% uh, um, into the vault as the collateral to mint D token. And the rest of it was then put with the minted D token into liquidity mining. And now we shifted to, uh, to mint DUSD just because of the higher yields, right? So we, we also increase the DUSD um, yields um, if you deposit DUSD into the yield machine at the moment um, so that you are also able to um, yeah, basically generate more than these 10.5% uh, at the moment. Um, so yeah, that's basically the way. Um, and uh, further down the line, I, I showed the, the, uh, the vault strategy here um, combined with the rewards to, um, diversification, we um, basically start again to mint D-token um, and put it into the D-token liquidity mining um, if the users choose so, right? So um, you can always choose to, to reinvest, that's the default, um, to, to have like the maximum yield, but you can also choose to, to reinvest it um, into, into D-tokens or rather into liquidity mining with, with D-tokens and then um, generate different rewards. So these are the, the options here. But at the moment, you're right, 100% um, uh, of the rewards of the DUSD yield machine are reinvested into this vault to mint more DUSD. Got it. We now have a question of KOTGC. How safe is buying D-token compared to a real stock market item, it's uh, dependent on BTC as DFI is packed to BTC, right? Mm, no, DFI is not packed to BTC. So um, DeFi chain is a fork of the Bitcoin blockchain. So that's first of all. Um, and of course, I mean, um, I think that's, that's a question which investment thesis you have, right? So if you are a believer of this D-token ecosystem, which in my mind is, is just a great opportunity for anyone out there, just um, imagine what will happen um, if we are back to pack and now you have like a fully decentralized capital market for, for all these stocks, right? So you don't need to go to your bank, to your um, brokerage service to buy real stocks. You can just trade them in a decentralized way. Um, so that's beyond powerful. Um, so of course you have like, again, this project risk here of, of DeFi chain. Um, but on the other hand side, um, this all comes with higher yields because now you are able to basically uh, generate returns on a daily basis with, for example, the yield machine, or if you do liquidity mining on your own um, to generate daily returns. So it's always like, um, yeah, a risk um, management um, topic here. Um, if you are willing to um, to accept these higher risks of um, investing in a decentralized protocol in DeFi, um, or if you are rather trusting the the public um, CFI markets by investing into the the real stock market, if you want to call it. Like and of course, you have to. You always have to realize that um, if you buy a D token stock, you're not really buying a share of a company, right? It's just exactly. a rep representation. So you you are you don't have ownership rights to the company. You don't have exactly. dividend rights. You don't have voting rights. So mm -hmm. so that's that's a difference. And then of course, if you buy D tokens on DeFi chain, then you have the whole DUSD risk because you have to get into the system. Uh, via the USD, and if you want to get out, you now have the stabilization fee, uh, 30%. So I think yeah. this is the difference. 
but it also allows for uh, different use cases, right? So you could immediately switch from stocks to other assets and basically get exposure to, to assets, but you always have to realize that you're not buying the real asset. I think that's really exactly. important. To, or or you, you're also able and, and capable to do arbitrage trading against these stocks, right? So um, there are a lot of opportunities um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it will um, also um, grow in, in the future if we are really able to to build like a rock solid foundation here. Um, and then it's like a game changer. Uh, I'm, I'm so convinced of this entire um, detoken ecosystem um, because, yeah, like I mentioned before, you basically create a decentralized capital market here. Um, and this is a great opportunity, right? Um, so you're not, um, um, or you, you don't have the obstacle of, of having an account at, at some, some banks or financial institutions. Um, I mean, that's the promise of, of crypto uh, a little bit uh, anyway, but it's like now extended to, to also the capital markets. How do you do it as a, as a company when you earn, for example, with your staking, you earn revenue in DFI? which mm -hmm. is highly volatile, do you then mm -hmm. immediately sell it to stable coins or to US dollars to, to pay your bills? Or um, do you keep it in DFI and have exposure to, to the volatility? What's your strategy? Uh, yeah. Um, at the moment, we have full exposure to the volatility. So all our income, all our revenues um, um, are invested basically in, into staking. Um, to generate like yields for us. Um, and fortunately, we are able to pay all our bills um, in crypto at the moment. Okay, so got that's, it. Uh, yeah, so. But, but you um, are right fully, now, but, but you are fully, but, but you are full. So, so if DFI would go down another 90%, then you would have a problem, right? <laughs> at the moment, we would have a problem, yes. Um, okay. But I mean, I, I didn't, um, found this company if I wouldn't believe in DeFi chain, right? So I uh, highly, I'm a deep believer into DeFi chain, into the ecosystem, into the community. Um, and that's why um, our way at the moment is to 100% uh, reinvest um, our revenues into staking and to use our own service. And what's your relationship with, uh, with DFX? Um, mm -hmm. Is DFX... Um, does it own shares in, in lock or, no. or how, how is yeah. the, how is the agreement uh, between the two companies? There's basically, um, a SLA, a service level agreement. Um, and I basically purchase, um, IT services from DFX, right? Um, and that's basically the, the entire relation. Um, DFX is, isn't a shareholder. It's not a shareholder of, of lock. Um, I'm the single founder. Um, I hold 100% of the shares, um, and. Yeah, that's the way how it's structured. Um, I think in the end, um, both parties benefit from this relationship. Um, DFX has a, an additional revenue stream um, by selling their IT services to, to Lock. Um, and for me, um, I just uh, can rely on this deep expertise from the DFX team um, because they have built up another staking provider before. Yeah, so... Right now, you, you told me before, yeah, or could, could you maybe talk about how, how big is your <clears throat> team right now? And, and uh, yeah, how, how are you structured with, with your developers? Who's, who's developing the services? And yeah. how, how are you planning to, to do that in the, in the future? Sure. So um, at the moment, um, the uh, entire development is done by DFX. Um, so I purchase the, the IT services, the IT development from DFX. Um, but uh, the plan is definitely that I hire own stuff um, for development in the future. Um, so, of course, I need to have the um, numbers in. Uh, I need to look at the numbers, right? Um, if there is enough revenue to, to pay own deaths. Um, but this is basically the relationship and the situation at the moment. Um, so the development is um, done by, by DFX. Um, and um, of course, for, for all the other areas in the company, I, I will also hire, hire staff um, for marketing, business development. Um, all the legal topics um, are, still, are, still, um, are still with me. Um, so, and this will probably remain um, on my side, um, at least for, for this year. And then we will see um, if we can afford like own 
own lawyers or maybe extend, I don't know, um, to, to other law firms. Um, yeah, uh, so that's basically the situation. Um, of course, if um, anyone is interested um, into working, uh, working with Lock, um, just reach out to me on all the platforms, Telegram, Twitter, um, mail support at lock.space um, or even LinkedIn, whatever. Um, and then we can discuss everything. Perfect. I think that's uh, good for today. We have reached one hour. Um, yeah, thank you for, for coming on my channel, explaining everything. I understand now. Uh, yeah, I understand it much better. Uh, thank you for showing all the details. And uh, yeah, I hope that you don't go bankrupt and uh, <laughs> that my funds are safe. <laughs> that's for sure. So thank you, Jonas. Um, yeah, everyone, cool. if, if, so you have, if you have any, any comments, um, let me know your thoughts in the comments below, of course. Um, check out Lock, uh, check out DFX, um, uh, and uh, yeah, follow Jonas on, on all channels. I, I will uh, link uh, to his channels uh, in the description below. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss any future interviews and videos. Have a great day, everyone, and see you next time. Bye-bye.